again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, and uh, I thought that uh, we would be actually talking to you about Orlando City at New England Revolution, but that is not the case because of the postponement of the game <laughs> until September 2nd. Uh, but this uh, episode number 77 will will still roll on. In fact, it's going to be a really big show. we got a couple of guests this week, and uh, I'm Michael Citro. I'm the Mainland's uh, managing editor and founder you can uh, find us, of course, at themainland.com. And I'm joined by one of our writers, Dave Rowe, the uh, inventor of Pride Pub. Dave, how are you this week? I am excellent, Michael. Happy to be here, as always. And uh, feeling really good down here in, well, relatively warm Florida compared to New England. <laughs> yeah, it's a little chilly today for, for us. I'm sure nobody around the country is going to weep for us. But it was a little bit chillier today than, than it normally is for this time of year. And... And, uh, you know, we, we of course, our thoughts do go out to those in the path of the big storm. And, uh, you know, winter storms, I grew up in Ohio, so I know winter storms are no joke and they're no fun. Um, but, um, you know. And I grew we, up in Maryland, so if, I know that they aren't either. So, if you, you know, get a we're, few we're, we're both transplants. Days, if you can get a few snow days out of the deal, at least it's it's some, something. Absolutely. Know, as long as your power doesn't go out. I know some folks in Michigan that lost their power within the last week. So, uh, anyway. Uh, so there was no game, so we don't have anything to recap, uh, but we got plenty to talk about. I mean, um, so Friday came and Orlando, it was early Friday morning, nine, about nine o'clock, nine fifteen in the morning. And uh, word came out that Orlando city, uh, would not be traveling to new England for the game. Game was postponed till September 2nd. So, uh, I guess from a good perspective, Kaka will miss one fewer game here at the start of the season. Um, as well as you know, guys like Rafael Ramos and and guys like that. But um, the the bad thing is, of course, you you're you're revved up. You get your first game under your belt, a big win to start the season, uh, which is something Orlando City has not done in MLS until this year, uh, drawing their first two season openers. And um, you know, you want to go into that second game on a roll and maybe maybe catch New England and, and get a, a result there, and, and then come home and and try to build on that. But instead, no game. And uh, we're stuck here. Um, you know, I think uh, Krishna Gita and uh, PC got a, a, a midweek friendly with OCB. But other than that, the rest of the team uh, not only didn't play, but now word is out of uh, training that uh, Carlos Rivas picked up a, a bit of a hammy strain. And we're not really sure how how that will affect his availability for this weekend. Dave, what, what, were your, what are your thoughts on the week off and, and how that's going to affect Orlando City? Well, Winter Storm, Reggie, really put a kink in things, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, like you said, anytime you're going to have that long time in between games, especially if it's unexpected, uh, it throws you out of your rhythm. That can be problematic. Um, however, that being said, these guys are professionals. Um, I'm sure they're taking it in stride, doing the training. Yes, Rivas has some sort of strain or another. Uh, hopefully it's nothing bad. We've seemed to have a run on hammies this uh, season so far, and uh, that just needs to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, the bigger thing for me, honestly, is the uh, postponing that out to September 2nd. Um, that means that there's going to be a, uh, around that time, you know, uh, August, September, there's going to be a seven of nine games on the road in that stretch with mm-hmm. a four game road trip, um, which is a, a bit brutal. Um, hopefully the positive of that is okay. Well, you know, 
we've got the season underway. Everybody's, you know, rolling. Everybody's gelled. You know, we've got the system down, and and you know maybe we luck out and that it ends up being a good thing. But that's we're just going to have to wait until later in the year to find out if that's the case. Yeah, and hopefully our lead in the Eastern Conference will be so large that uh, we can afford to stumble a little bit uh, at around that time. Exactly right. <laughs> so a little bit of news out of Orlando City's camp this week. Um, the big news is Joe Bendick has extended his contract through the year 2020, three more years after 2017. Um, just a phenomenal job that, that Joe has done since joining the club, a guy that a lot of people scratched their head you know, about when he was signed from Toronto and, you know, not really sure. Is this guy really any good? You know, what are we doing here? This is maybe not the best move because Tally Hall was very uh, a beloved goalkeeper. And all Joe has come in and done is win like, I don't know, something like 11 save of the week, <laughs> you know, awards, including week one of, of 2017. He was the save, uh, save of the week for his stop on Jack Harrison. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Super Joe getting a three-year extension? Uh, I think he earned it. Um, like you said, actually, so he had 11 save of the weeks last season. Um, and the the joke within our uh, our own you know Slack community is that it just needs to be renamed the Joe Bendick Award. Yeah. Because like you said, he also won it uh, the first week of this season. So, I mean, that's 12 overall, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. Um, he was number two in saves uh, last year in MLS with 114. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, he's come up big uh, when it's counted. I, I think it's a well-deserved uh, contract. And, you know, he he's a, he's a serious player. I mean, you can see it on his face. As soon as he takes the field, he is all business. Um, and I think it shows. And then with the, uh, the improved back line, I think um, I, I'm feeling really good about it. Um, I'm glad that he got it, but most importantly, he earned that contract. You're right, and and for both perspectives, I think this is a good move for for Joe Bendick. He's 27. Uh, you know, this contract will take him through through three more years, and you know, beyond this year, and you know, he's he's still going to be in his prime as a goalkeeper. So if he can maintain this form. What a great move by the club to lock up a guy who who they know can can stop shots when they need him to. Um, you know, certainly he could still be a little bit better of a distributor. He could be a little bit better on crosses. But I think for the most part, what you want your goalkeeper to do is stop shots. And he has shown that he can do that in this league and, and be one of the best at that. So a good move for the club. For Joe, this is a great move, too, because it gives him some stability. It gives him some security. It shows that he's got a commitment to the club. And I just think this is a win-win for everybody, and especially for the fans who have who've come to enjoy the way he plays. Absolutely. We all, like you said, everybody was kind of shaking their head, wondering what the heck we were doing when he came on board. But he absolutely proved all of us wrong, even those of us uh, at the mainland. You know, we, even we were sitting there going, okay, what's going on? But uh, he, has, uh, he has shut down all doubt and... Um, has become an absolute uh, integral piece of the defense for Orlando City. And another one of the, the kind of areas that maybe isn't his strongest suit is organizing the defense. And, and I think that by adding a Jonathan Spector, you can mitigate that a bit. And, and um, you know, he can he, he will also learn from a veteran like Spector on, on how best to organize his defenders. So I, I think this is a great move, and it's certainly a deserved move for, for Joe. And, and um, 
just a huge plus for the club. Absolutely. So the other big news this week was that uh, the little bit of depth we had at center back got a little bit shallower this week with Seb Hines undergoing uh, some arthroscopic knee, uh, knee surgery on his right knee. Um, Seb's a guy who's struggled with an ongoing knee issue for a couple of years now, and uh, they decided to go in and clean it out. He's going to miss uh, approximately six weeks. Now, I've heard some people sarcastically on Twitter saying, oh, what a early Christmas present. He's unavailable in the 18 for six weeks. But a, a veteran guy like Seb Hines as a backup player is not something you want to see eliminated in case something happens to Spectre and AHA. Of course not. And the, you know, uh, I'm not sure who was saying that on Twitter, but that, that is absolutely ridiculous. You, you always want to keep your depth. Um, like you say, Seb has been, he, he is a veteran. Um, is he the best out there? Maybe not, but he is solid. Um, he can be counted on and he plays hard. So uh, to, I'm glad that he's getting it taken care of. You know, obviously it, it needs to be done. Fortunately, it's only six weeks, but um, that's not that's still not the ideal situation for Orlando City. We want as much depth as we can um, throughout the season. If, however, this if we can get through that six weeks time, he gets better, comes back and is better able to do that role coming off the bench and, uh, you know, uh, spelling the guys that uh, are starting, then ultimately, hopefully that's the better, the better thing for the season uh, to allow Orlando City to make that. Uh, run that we hope they do to the playoffs. And, and by the way, Seb is the club's all-time MLS goal-scoring leader among defense defenders. So uh, four goals in two years, there's nothing to sneeze at either, including some big goals like the goal against Montreal in t- 2015 that kept the team in the playoff race. So um, it's here's a guy that I guess I'm a little bit spoiled because I get to, to talk to these guys, you know, sometimes at training, sometimes after games. And there's really not a better guy on this team than Seb Hines. He is an right. amazingly cool guy, nice as you'll meet, very humble, down-to-earth guy. He's not a, you know, he's not a, a professional athlete that'll try to big-time you at all. If you talk to the younger players, every single one of them will say, who helps you on the team? Seb Hines. Seb's the one that makes time for you and will help you out. So, um just a tremendous person, and yeah, his results have not always been there, but let's face it, his partners have not always been the best uh, players on That's the team true. either. Uh, a lot of people have this sentimental attachment to to Aurelian Collin, but let's everybody I've talked to says Aurelian, you never know where he's going to be on the field at any given time. You can't count on him. Um, you know, you see it when teams can wrestle the ball away from the New York Red Bulls, they can get at the Red Bulls back line. Because yeah. Aurelian gets them out of shape, he got our team out of shape. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to put Aurelian down because he works hard. He's a guy that can actually make up for being out of position quite often. Uh, but he, you know, it, it wasn't like Seb had the best partners. I mean, obviously we've seen David Mateos is no longer with the team. He was, he was bought out, and um, you know, and of course that knee issue that was recurring the last couple of years has affected Seb as well. Now. Now, on the other hand, you know, obviously he's not the paciest, you know, defender. <laughs> he's not the fastest, but, you know, he, he does have a little bit of a, you know, that knock to his knee has, has, has been troublesome. I hope that this time going in and cleaning it out with this surgery, hopefully will, will strengthen him and make him healthy going forward. And, of course, playing on grass should help. So uh, we, we hope certainly for the best for Seb Hines. And 
Um, you know, in the long run, as long as Spectre and AHA stay healthy, um, I think it's fine for the team for now, especially because I, I, I am pretty sure, based on the people I've talked to, that Tommy Redding is the club's third center back right now. I believe he has clearly won that position, and uh, and certainly he's uh, he had a great tournament with uh, in CONCACAF with uh, with the U20 US team and, and he'll be going off in April to the US camp when the uh, they get ready for the U20 World Cup. So it seems like right about the time Tommy's leaving for the World Cup is when Seb's going to be back. So um, that should be fortuitous, but uh, in the meantime, a little bit of hit to the depth. Well, like you say, fortunately uh, Tommy's not gone yet and uh, yeah, of course we wish <laughs> Seb, all the best. Speedy recovery. The sooner he gets back healthy, the better. Mm-hmm. And we still got young Connor Donovan who uh, who can fill in in a pinch, and hopefully his knee is back to 100% after that uh, that devastating um, ACL tear in his first ever MLS start. Uh, I believe it was against the same Philadelphia Union, in fact, in 2015. Uh. So, um, you know, we won't see Connor on, on Saturday. He probably won't be even in the 18, but... Um, it's good to know that a, a player of his caliber is available uh, if the team gets in a lot of depth trouble. So, um, so you know, we, we had uh, no game, but we had some certainly some news out of the club this week. Um, the Pride, has uh, they have started their 2017 training camp, their preseason training camp. They took medicals over the weekend, um, and they also uh, had their first training of the season on Monday. So they are ready to go. The uh, the club has also uh, gone and uh, announced the preseason schedule. So they're going to have five games, Dave, the Pride are. And uh, they're going to play four college teams. And they're going to play the U.S. U23 team, which will be uh, kind of interesting as well. So they're, they're going to be playing at uh, South Florida and at the University of Florida. Then they're going to be playing at their uh, training facility against Stetson... Um, Florida State, and also um, the USU 23 team. So it'll be an interesting five games. They're closed to the public, unfortunately, but I have assurances from the USL, or from, I'm sorry, from the <laughs> from the Orlando Pride uh, Communications uh, Department that the mainland and other media will be allowed in. So we should still have some reports on the Pride from their preseason games. Excellent. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, uh, up in uh, – I've got a little conflict of interest on the first <laughs> one. Uh, 3.18 at 1 p.m. they go up against my Stetson Hatters. Uh, so, you know, I, I was actually the Hatter, the mascot at one point. So it, that's a tough one for me. I'm, I'm, I'm probably hoping for a draw on that one. But otherwise <laughs> – Obviously, I'm I'm rooting for the pride to uh, win those preseason games, but uh, you know, I, 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 your alma mater, that's a tough one. Uh, obviously, and a lot of people did not know that Dave Rowe was the Hatter, and that's that is now, <laughs> that has now come to light and public knowledge now. Yeah, and he he will never live that down. So yeah, Stetson at Sylvan Lake Park uh, on Saturday, March 18th. That's when the pride will get things going. So that's coming right up this weekend. And uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see the pride get going. Obviously, the whole team is not here. Uh, Alex Morgan's still with Leon. She got a hat trick in their cup game uh, this past week, and uh, she, her first three goals for Leon all came in the same game. Uh, so it's nice to see her rounding into form. We want her to be hitting peak form just in time to end their season and come back to the NWSL. 
South Florida at Corbett Stadium on March 25th, so a week between the, the first two preseason games. Then on Wednesday the 29th, the Florida Gators at uh, Donald Disney Stadium. Not spelled the same as Walt Disney, by the way. Hmm. Uh, that's with a Z. And I'm, I'm hoping we can get our boy Logan Oliver to cover that game because Logan, uh, a student up in Gainesville, and writes some of our best stuff. I really like what Logan brings to the team. Uh, Saturday, April 1st, which is April Fool's Day, the Seminoles come down here. Very, very good soccer program in college uh, coming down to Sylvan Lake Park. And then Friday, April 7th, the U23s uh, will be visiting. And uh, amongst those players, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Danny Weatherholt plays half the game for the Pride and half the game for the U23s. <laughs> That's a very good point. Absolutely. <laughs> and and whether we'll see Sam Witteman with the U23 team because uh, uh, the former Pride uh, rookie last year was uh, was traded in the offseason to North Carolina. So um, we could see her. So a familiar face there. So we're going to try to get to as many games as we can as a, as a website. Obviously, some of the daytime games on weekdays are a little tough where we're all professionals. We all have jobs, uh, and it's a little bit difficult to get to some of these. But we're going to do what we can and, and bring to you, uh, bring you the news on as many of these as we can because we do love the Pride and we love to uh, to cover them. They're a lot of fun. If you haven't been to a Pride game and you're just an Orlando City fan, think of this as your ticket to get in to see the new stadium. If you're having trouble getting into Orlando City games because they play a really Nice brand of soccer under Tom Sermani. They're exciting to watch. Their games are not boring. They're they're technically sound team, and they really do play to the whistle. They play hard. They don't typically take dives like the men's teams. It's women's soccer is very vastly underrated. Oh, uh, let's face it. The U.S. women's national team has been the most successful U.S. national team we've ever had. So, I mean, <laughs> it shouldn't be no surprise that the women's game is excellent to watch, uh, especially, you know, okay. Yeah. Alex is gone for a little while, but I mean, she'll be back, um, with, uh, Ali Krieger joining, uh, Alana Kennedy, Jasmine Smith. I mean, there's, there's some big names on the pride now that, uh, could, uh, really make it well worth the ticket price to go and not just to watch them, but you know, to, like you said, see the new stadium, watch some excellent soccer getting played. Well, and let's not even, we haven't even talked about the other, the elephant in the room, the big rumor about the pride in the last week or so that's come out. And that is that, um, you know, there's a rumor that uh, the best player maybe in women's soccer history thus far, uh, Brazil's Marta may be joining the club. So uh, that could be coming together in a matter of days. It could be a matter of weeks. Uh, I have sources that have told me talks have taken place, but there's nothing final. So there is some smoke to the fire. Uh, whether or not Marta will be joining us, I don't know, but I know that would be enormous for the club, and it would certainly put the pride in, uh, right up there with the with the contenders, the you know teams like Chicago and teams like uh, well, I guess North Carolina Courage now used to be Western New York Flash. Um, Seattle, Portland, those teams. I, I think if you get Marta on this club uh, with the additions they've made defensively, I, I think instantly this team could contend. It would be the biggest signing in NWSL history, I, bar none. I mean, do, we all love Alex, but getting Marta uh, would be unbelievable. Um, the the level of the play of the pride would be elevated just from her it's it it's hard to um 
I sound like I'm being hyperbolic, but uh, uh, really not. I mean, it's, it would be that big of a uh, it would be that big of a signing. Well, I mean, you put it in perspective. Now, I, I heard had somebody call us out on on social media about, oh, you mean this is actually supposed to be bigger than the Alex Morgan signing? Well, it, put it in this perspective. Alex Morgan was once a finalist for FIFA World Player of the Year. Marta has won that award five times. Five times. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's night and day. I mean, it's yes, Alex may be one of the two or three most visible uh, and recognizable women's soccer players on the planet. Marta, single-handedly, one story about a Marta rumor is by far the biggest women's soccer story we've ever had on our website. I mean, as far as page views. And it was, you know, our take our normal page view count for like an average story. If you multiply it by five times, that's what it was the first day. But that story continued right. to get more than average hits for the next several days. So that, that tells you worldwide what Marta's appeal is and, and how, you know, how many fans she has, how many people are paying attention to her. And, and, you know, even at, I believe she's 31 now, but even at her age now, she's still good for a goal every other game. At, 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 so she's still, she's still scoring at a, a half a goal a game clip at least. And, and she's playing... You know, in Europe right now, she's been playing there for several years. But if the club pulls this off, there's no reason to think that that would, you know, suffer at all in this league. And if she plays out wide, she could totally make some players like Jasmine Spencer, you know, even better and set them up for for gimme goals. I mean, because she just draws so much attention. And unlike Alex, she really can work for her own shot. Alex, to a large degree, needs um, needs service a lot more than than a player like Marta does. Uh, exactly right. And um, like I say, if, if she's out why she's feeding in and, and when Alex comes back, helping Alex, yeah, um, I exactly. mean, that, you know, um, getting Marta, I mean, that's like uh, it's like a messy signing. And, you know, it's uh, that's the level we're talking about. I mean, five time world FIFA player of the year. I mean, that you're talking messy level either you know i mean we had uh you know okay we had kaka who was you know uh blonde or all right well great he was the one time that it wasn't you know everybody else so (laughs) (laughs) this is we're we're now talking about the woman that is the woman in uh women's soccer so if if that comes to fruition uh it will undoubtedly be actually it already is the biggest story of the year for us Absolutely. So hopefully that will happen. And uh, hopefully she will help draw extremely large crowds to the new stadium. Again, go to the new stadium if you can't get an Orlando City ticket because it's going to be sold out basically all year for Orlando City games. You know, you can pay a few less bucks and see the women's team or OCB and and still get that full stadium experience. So I I recommend it. Speaking of OCB, big move today announced the... uh, the Young Lions of Orlando City B, has, they have acquired uh, 21-year-old Leo Pereira from Atletico Paranaense on a, on a season-long loan. Now, this is the first transaction, Dave, between the two clubs since uh, the partnership was formed in November. So it's this is a kind of a historic thing. 
the partnership happened in November. In the offseason, Jason Christ went down and he he uh, he toured their facilities. He watched their training sessions and got some ideas on on you know sort of how they do things and and um, you know here it is uh, just a couple of months later. You know we've got a player, a 21 year old, very young defender who can play center back or left back. And uh, he's played in, in Serie C and Serie Bay. I don't know how you say C in Brazil in Portuguese, but <laughs> he's played for the second and third tier uh, the last couple of years uh, on loan from Paranaense, and uh, they've they've sent him on to to uh, the USL to uh, further his career. And this is a, a potentially huge signing for for OCB. Absolutely, and and. What's bigger for me is uh, we had actually uh, internally talked about, okay, what is you – know, we've got these uh, connections with, you know, Paranisi and uh, uh, Stoke. You know, where where's the benefits coming? What Somebody was even going to do a story of, of, hey, okay, great. What's, what's happening? Well, this is the first time. So this is the first one. This is where we're finally seeing that come to uh, fruition. So getting, getting uh, that young player who uh, – and that's – uh, Sari Say is, I believe, how it would be. Okay. Um, I'll take it. And Sari, Sari, because it's in, it should be Ase Bay or Abe Say. Um, but uh, anyway, um, getting uh, a player who's who's had that experience in the Brazilian leagues to come in uh, and help us out with OCB is exactly what we were hoping for from these partnerships. And yeah, I mean, and going from a, a twenty playing at age twenty in the second tier in Brazil to going to USL, I mean, he instantly should be able to help the club. Yeah, absolutely. There should be no doubt about that. Um, it should be a definite improvement right away. Um, and then, of course, you know, being able to play uh, center back or left back uh, that um, that allows us to utilize him uh, in player de- other player development. So, you know, if we need somebody. Uh, to work center and he can go to the left. If mm-hmm. we need somebody, you know, he can, he can hop around to, to allow that to do exactly what we need OCB doing, which is not just of course competing, but also, you know, generating uh, a talent for the, uh, the, the MLS team. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, welcome to our, our new Brazilian defender for OCB. And, and I'm certainly looking forward to the team uh, going to Tampa for the I-4 Derby to start off the season. So, Leo Pereira, welcome to Orlando, and uh, hopefully he will uh, put in a solid season. Uh, the last thing I want to talk to you before we get to this world, because we have two this week, um, is I wanted to ask you, obviously Orlando City, the game at New England was postponed due to weather. One game that was not postponed due to weather, and maybe should have been, was Atlanta United at Minnesota United, the, the much ballyhooed uh, first meeting between the two 2017 expansion teams. Uh, Atlanta United obviously is, is off to a pretty decent start. Minnesota United, not so much <laughs> under, <laughs> under former Orlando City coach Adrian Heath with, with of course, our former, uh, the original Kevin Molino uh, playing for him. Uh, that team has shipped 11 goals now in two games. It had never been done before. No team had ever conceded five or more goals in consecutive games in MLS play. But congratulations to Adrian Heath and the boys <laughs> for, for setting a new uh, new league record. Uh, they gave up five to Portland in week one and then six in a very snowy, snowy uh, game against Atlanta. 
uh, this past weekend. What did you think, first of all, about having played the game in those conditions? Second of all, should they have had some type of snowblower to clear the field at halftime? <laughs> and third of all, is this maybe potentially the worst defense the league has ever seen? Okay, to to get those points in order. Uh, one, it's Minnesota. They play in snow no matter what. They don't care. Um, <laughs> two, it's Minnesota. They should, absolutely should have had something to clear the field. It's freaking Minnesota. They're used to snow, so they absolutely should have done that. And then uh, uh, I lost the last one. What was the last question? Is this potentially the, the, the worst defense. worst defense in MLS history? Um. Yeah, actually, I think it probably is. I mean, to to concede 11 in two games is, like we just said, it's unprecedented. It has not happened before. It's fairly ridiculous. Now, let's give it up to them. They did score two over that time period, so <laughs> at least they weren't shut out looking for the positive there. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the sad part is when they were away at Portland, they – got beat less bad than they did at home. Um, <laughs> and so maybe that's a good thing as they head into Colorado. I, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, I think, you know, we were talking earlier that the good thing for them is Colorado is not exactly a prolific scorer. So yeah, what was your prediction? Uh, three, yeah, maybe three nil. I don't three know. Nil, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, here's the thing. If you're if you just happen to be a Minnesota United fan listening into this podcast, believe me, we're we're not trying to bag on on Minnesota United. I I would no, like absolutely to absolutely not having spent a season and a half uh, covering uh, Adrian Heath and, and before that being being a fan of the USL side. Certainly, I want Adrian Heath to succeed. Certainly, I want Kevin Molino to succeed. Uh, you know, yeah, he chose to leave Orlando City, but. I don't really hold that against any professional athlete wanting to move on because that's just the reality we live in these days. The, the days of, of Mike Schmidt playing his entire career in Philadelphia, that's almost unheard of nowadays. So when I see Kevin Molino go there and play, I want him to do well. I want Adrian Heath to do well. I want them to do well in every game they play except when they play Orlando City. Um, Absolutely. But at the same time, you, you look at it and you go um, – from from my perspective, here's what I see. Through two games, center back and captain, no less, Vadim Demidov has been the worst player I've ever seen in back-to-back games. Because I saw the Portland game, and I saw the, the Atlanta game, and Demidov just doesn't look like he knows what the heck's going on out there. Now, that's not to say that he can't turn it around. Another player that looked like he didn't know what the heck he was doing out there is a guy named Antonio Nocherino, and he's been playing pretty darn well you know starting about the midway point of last season you know through now so it's, there's no saying that that Vadim Demidov can't turn this around and become a good player but he is really brutal right now yeah um and of course like you said I captain um so <laughs> he's supposedly leading leading the team um and you know that that maybe that's the that's exactly what's happening is is they're uh they're following him to a, uh, a dismal result. Um, hopefully they can turn around. Like you said, we want the best uh, for Coach Heath and, of course, uh, the original, uh, Kevin Molino. But um, at, 
I, I don't think it's going to happen for him uh, this week. Uh, it may have to, there may have to be a uh, perfect convergence of, uh, of better weather, uh, another team that's struggling or, or just uh, some divine intervention or something, but um, something needs to happen. I, I have faith that coach Heath is going to be doing whatever adjustments he can with the people that he has. Um, but uh, I, Man, it's it's a rough start for them, and I'm I, I really do feel bad for them. Yeah, I mean, I I look at their team and I go, you know, it's too early to panic, but don't you at least pick up the phone and give David Mateos a call? <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, we certainly hope they turn around, and, and I really don't want to bag on on Vadim Demidov. Um, here's a guy who played uh, internationally for for Norway. He was born in the Soviet Union, but is, is a Norwegian international. And he just looks lost. And, and, you know, you never want to see somebody just struggling and suffering. So, you know, hopefully they'll turn it around and hopefully they'll get better as the season goes on. But hopefully not when they play us uh, in Minnesota. No, so uh, the weather will be much better when Orlando City goes up there. And uh, and hopefully we'll be able to take them to the woodshed. Hopefully they won't still be looking for their first win because I would hate – for the Lions to go in there and Minnesota still hasn't won a game. And then all of a sudden Heath gets to play against his old team and, you know, and, and Molino gets to play against his old team and everybody's revved up and, and cranked up to 11. So we hopefully, hopefully they'll win at least one game between uh, now and, and the time we play them. So, uh, yeah, the expansion teams look like they're going in opposite directions. I want to ask you this before we move to our guest: Are you buying Atlanta United? Because here's my thought. Everybody is anointing them not only as a playoff team, some of them are talking about best team in the Eastern Conference. And what I see is a team that beat up on a really bad defensive team and also a team that had a lead but still lost to a good New York Red Bulls team, yes, but a New York Red Bulls team that had traveled midweek from Vancouver uh, where they played a, a CONCACAF Champions League game and you know maybe was a little bit road, had a little bit of road legs going into that first game in Atlanta and, and in fact you know a very emotional atmosphere for the first home game in in club history so uh, despite that and despite the you know the obvious uh, advantage they had in terms of rest uh, New York's still able to pull out a win there even though they didn't play their best best soccer so are you are you buying Atlanta at this point do you think they're a playoff team do you think they're still an unknown i mean what do you, where do you see them right now it's it's it has to be an unknown it's an expansion team we're two games in like you said i mean they've played against what we just talked about potentially the worst defense uh in the league and okay they scored six goals but you know what other people have scored five it's it's not an anomaly mm-hmm. um you know against you know new york uh they can't First game, emotions are high. They come out strong. I'm not saying that they don't have talent. I'm not saying that they can't be a uh, contender for the playoffs. What I'm saying is, is we're two games in. Yeah. Everybody, slow your roll. Relax a little bit. <laughs> just wait. Let's see how things play out. Um, you know, there's no matter what, there are growing pains for every expansion team. I don't care who it is. Um, so... Am I buying them yet? No, I'm not buying them yet. But uh, you know, I'm not discounting them either. But um, I, I need, I'm an evidence-based guy, and I don't have enough evidence to make a good decision. So let's let's wait a few weeks. Let's see how the the games play out. And and you know what? 
we'll uh, I'm sure we'll come back to this and and I'll be happy to give a bigger opinion later but right now I'm not buying it not as of yet let me give you a perspective on this the first two games for Orlando City four points uh first two games for Atlanta United three points um Orlando City missed the playoffs that's a very good point just to throw that out there obviously um every situation is different and I'm not saying Atlanta can't do it they do look like they have some exciting offensive players but I don't know about their defense yet, and I haven't seen them play. Uh, you know, obviously the the good offensive team they played was the Red Bulls, who scored two on them, and the, and the Red Bulls again looked a bit leggy and played midweek, um, and played in a very tough environment for the first time. You know, let's see them line up and play Seattle and play um, New York City FC and and play Toronto FC and some of these teams. Let's see them do this and see how they handle it before we anoint them. That's all I'm saying. And I, and I, I think a lot of it is coming from the preseason hype. Uh, you know, Atlanta's big, big town. And so there was a lot, a lot, a lot of, you know, hype about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's, I think it's carryover from preseason and then they go out and have a decent showing, you know, first two games. So I, I think it was hype that was built up and, and there wasn't a letdown. And so the, the, the hype is still there and everybody's still, you know, on that train. Um, but yeah, like I, I agree with you. Just let's <laughs> see how they do against, you know, some of the more solid teams before we go, uh, as you said, anointing them. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop, put a pin in this podcast and, uh, and move on to our guests this week. And, uh, we'll get to those guests right after this. Joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, very happy to have with us uh, the club's new sideline analyst and a former Orlando City Lion goalkeeper, Miguel Gallardo. Miguel, thanks for joining us on the Mainland Podcast. No problem, guys. Thank you for having me. Very, very happy to be talking to you guys. So I want to dive right into your new role with the club and uh, just ask sort of, you know, what what your role is going to be as a sideline analyst. What does that mean? How many times per broadcast are we going to hear from you? And, um, you know, how how much training, if any, have you had for this? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Um, Yeah, so the main role is going to be going to be on the sideline in every home game. And I'm going to be commentating and talking a little bit about uh, about the game, about what I see, kind of giving a different perspective to the people that are watching at home um, about what's going on on the field. Uh, sometimes, you know, the cameras are focused on the action, and uh, a lot of times you miss some of the stuff that's going on and people can't see. So that's kind of going to be my role when I'm on the field. You know, like I said before, I, I think I'm going to have a lot of roles with the club. I'm also going to be doing a little bit of interviews, pregame interviews, uh, halftime interviews, uh, you know, the first game of the season, um, the ESPN took over the broadcast. So mm-hmm. what they had me do is you know, the stadium votes for the first time in the stadium, which uh, that was very cool, very nerve wracking, but it was very cool. Uh, and also I'm going to be involved with the community, uh, community relations stuff. You know, uh, I guess Kay Rollins, who was in charge of that department, calls me a community ambassador kind of what the name of the title of my position is going to be but you know all in all just very very happy to be back with the club that I have so much love for that I have uh, so many good memories in and uh 
and this is where my wife and this is where my baby's going to be born. So this is home for me now. Excellent. Miguel, this is Dave, and uh, uh, we're glad to have you back, of course. Um, speaking of that different perspective, obviously you've had a lot of time on the field, um, you know, now being on the sideline. Um, what is it you think that you're going to be able to provide for uh, the, the watchers and the fans um, that they aren't going to get otherwise? Yes. So, you know, usually what <clears throat> usually with sideline reporters, as they call it, is that uh, it's usually somebody who will comment something that maybe the coach told them a little bit of an insight that an assistant coach told them, explain maybe uh, injuries and uh, maybe explain a little bit of uh, somebody about to be substituted and stuff like that. So kind of the role that I'm going to be taking on is I'm going to be giving a little bit more than that. I'm going to be actually explaining a little bit of the football that's going on, giving my opinion and my insight of what I think is happening, maybe plays that are uh, controversial or maybe, uh, you know, and like I said, the people now are getting, you know, are getting so much knowledge, man. They understand the game so much better. But there's also people that don't understand it as much. So I'm kind of, uh, my role's going to be a balance of, you know, uh, commentating on the things that maybe people can't see at home, but also educating a little bit in all due respect to the people that are maybe not as uh, used to the game. And that's kind of going to be my role when I'm on the sideline. Now, Miguel, you're, you're a guy who was, you know, obviously with the club in the USL days, winning a lot of trophies with the team. And, um, you know, when the when the club jumped to to MLS, some of the guys were invited to stay on, and, and obviously, you, you know, you you moved on elsewhere up the up the road to uh, to Jacksonville Armada. What was that, that had to be tough in some respects, but obviously, as a professional, you you probably understood um, to to go to work for Adrian Heath and to know that you know maybe you weren't going to be in the in the plans for the MLS club. Can you tell us a little bit what that sort of that end of the season was like for you? <clears throat> Yeah, you know, that's uh, well. It's certainly, you know, when the the first uh, the the reason why I even moved to Orlando with the club was in hopes to make that transition. You know, obviously I knew there was going to be years of the road, mm-hmm. and there was no guarantees. A lot of things can happen. Um, you know, you're right. We did win a lot of things. We were very powerful. We had an idea of play. Uh, we beat a lot of MLS teams. We beat international teams. We had a very successful team. I think we had guys that understood the way Adrian wanted to play, and uh, and so we did that very well. We had a lot of success. Obviously, there was no guarantees, you know. And, uh, year in and year out, I was very lucky and had opportunities to maybe move up uh, a level. But you know, I've always been the type of player that uh, if I'm comfortable somewhere, I like to stay there. You know, in Orlando, there was a big promise of the MLS situation, and uh, and even though there was no guarantees, I still wanted to take my chances and continue here with the club. Obviously, 2014, new ownership group came, new general manager came, new people came. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just like any company, sometimes people will bring people that they know uh, from years before. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation with Adrian afterwards, and um, there wasn't there's some things that weren't uh, they weren't up to to him you know and not to say that it was his decision to let me go or not give me the opportunity but there was a lot of factors that had to do with that and obviously for me it's you know uh, I played my role here I played here for four years we won a lot of things 
you know, we did something special, and I'm proud of that. And mm -hmm. it just, you know, it was my time to move on, and uh, Jacksonville came in, presented me with a very good opportunity to uh, to continue to play and be close to my to my then girlfriend. And uh, for me, you know, soccer, even though it is my life, and I've been playing it for as long as I can remember, at the end of the day, it's temporary, you know, and family is forever. And for me, that was a big thing, the big reason why I just came up, went up the road. But I knew that at some point I would come back. Uh, obviously, I never thought that I would come back on the broadcasting side of the, the game. But, uh, you know, you just that goes to show you that you can have all the plans that you want. Sometimes, you know, things just work out uh, away, and I'm just happy that it worked out this way so far. Well, speaking of the, the broadcasting side, um, uh, I'm sure you've been – able to see things we haven't um what are you what's your take on the uh since obviously you were in goal what's what's your take on the defense and the keeper situation in orlando how do you how do you see that playing out this year sure you know i see uh you know with uh obviously joe joe Bendig is a is a very good goalkeeper very calm you know he's very good at just um doing what he's supposed to do and not wanting to do too much which is it's it sounds easier to easy to say, but it's not very easy. You know, he's a very cool, very cool, very calm, makes big saves, and uh, and that's what at the end of the day, that's what you want to do as a goalkeeper, make the big saves when the team needs you. And then the defense, uh, <clears throat> you know, with Spectre coming in, Aja Aja from Uruguay, very uh, very young, you know, very big size, big boy, but very hardworking, and then. Now with improvising with uh, the first game, we obviously we saw Will Johnson playing on the right side, which is a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people. But uh, obviously uh, he had a really good game, and it made sense, you know. And then Dan Danny Toyo on the other side, he had a really solid game as well. So you know, I was I was over there at training this morning, and I saw them work together. They worked on the back four, and they seem very uh, comfortable with each other, even though they haven't been playing together for a long time. You know, they seem to understand the role very well. So. Uh, you know, the fact that they played against one of the most powerful teams in the league and didn't concede a goal, uh, you know, because Joe made a couple of big saves, but also that the defense played very well, you know, closed down some uh, very dangerous plays. It just, it tells me that they're going to be successful, at least uh, more successful than they were last year in that department. So uh, I'm really looking forward to them, you know, having a lot of clean sheets and helping the team uh, get, get wins. Miguel, when you went up to Jacksonville, you were um, <clears throat> you were actually joined there by by several of your ex Orlando City teammates over the the time you were there. Um, and and then on top of all that, you know you get the U.S. Open Cup draw against Orlando City uh, last year. What was it like to be up there and, and to reconnect with some of those old teammates, and then and then to find out that uh, you guys would be would be playing Orlando in the um, the Open Cup? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was cool. It was, it was really, um, it was a fun. I mean, uh, you know, we faced them right away the first year. Um, actually, it was the second year we played on on a preseason match, and uh, right. mm -hmm. that was a that was a really fun game. Uh, I considered to go from Kakai, which if you're going to concede from somebody, might as well be a world class player like himself and a free kick that was a really nice free kick. Uh, but we ended up winning the game. And, which was, you know, not surprising. You know, Orlando was in preseason. We're in preseason too. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, uh, NASL has some really good players. And we see uh, they played, you know, they made some changes. So did we. Mm -hmm. But it was it was fun, you know. But the, the, before the game started, it was gonna, it was a little, you know, kind of bittersweet, you know, to be facing my, some of my former teammates, my former uh, coach. 
but I, you know, at the end of the day, when the game started, I just wanted to enjoy the game. And obviously, I got a really warm welcome from the fans that made the trip up. You know, uh, you know, they have I have a lot of respect for them, and they got love for me, and, and vice versa. And uh, that was a really, really cool experience. But uh, you know, and then when we drew them in the Open Cup, it was an official game. I thought we played really well uh, on Armada. You know, we had a couple of chances we couldn't finish, and. Uh, Orlando, you know, I, I thought they were going to be stronger. They didn't they didn't look as strong as I thought that they were going to be, especially because they were they were in the middle of the season. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the end at the end they managed to uh, <clears throat> to get a goal of a corner kick and we couldn't come back and they got the win and then they got beat by uh, four lateral strikers if I'm not mistaken the mm-hmm. next round, which was very surprising to me. But uh, <clears throat> but you know, it was cool. It was cool. It was a good experience getting to play against them. And, uh, you know, got to see, to play against players like Kaká and Kyle Lauren, who, you know, uh, they're doing what they're doing. Kyle's doing what he's doing for a reason. You know, the guy's very powerful. You know, the guy's very, he's got that, you know, he's got that goal sense. You know, he knows where the ball's going to be, and uh, he somehow manages to be there when the ball gets there. So uh, I'm really looking forward to watching him hopefully have some success this year. Excellent. Uh, speaking of uh, the fans, uh, tell me a little bit about the community ambassador part of your job. I mean, obviously we know the on the field stuff, but uh, I'd like to hear about uh, what it is you're going to be doing on that side. Yeah, you know, when I was uh, here with Orlando, that's something that was very important to me. You know, just to get involved in the community. You know, when I was younger, I um, I looked up to the players in my hometown. You know, and, uh, I always wanted to be like them, and and so for me to when I when I was um, when I got the opportunity to play professionally, I understood really quickly that being a professional soccer player is a platform that is very powerful when it comes to being able being able to help the youth. And so uh, Orlando City has always been known to be really involved with the community, especially with the youth, uh, promoting healthy eating, staying active, you know, kids that are of lower resources to, uh, to help them uh, have access to uh, better food, uh, soccer fields to, to obviously distract themselves and you know stay busy instead of being on the streets or obviously getting into trouble. So that's something that I really really enjoyed doing when I was here. Uh, Kay Rollins used to you know she says to to this day she says I was I was her go-to guy you know because she knew that I would always be available. I would make, I made sure that I made myself available for things like that because I understood the importance and I enjoy actually doing it. You know a lot of times. You know, they used to say that we were so kind because we would do things and, you know, go visit kids and uh, go visit schools. But a lot of times it was for selfish reasons. You know, I think it made me feel better and it helped me more than it actually helped, helped the kids when we go see them. But you know, this is something I really enjoyed. And so when I came back here this year, when they presented me with the opportunity to do the broadcasting and they realized that it wasn't really going to take me a nine-to-five job on a daily basis, case that then and said, Look, I've been looking for somebody to help me with this appearances and somebody that people respect here and they remember and they have love for, uh, like yourself and a couple of the players that played, you know, of your generation. I think it would be very cool to have to have around and help you with disappearances and get involved with with this uh, community that was the uh, efforts that we're trying to do. So uh, that was kind of how that came about. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be doing. Uh, you know, you know, as you guys know, Kay is very involved. She's this lady has a huge heart, and she's really, really taking it um, personal to make sure that 
you know, all the, the kids, the homeless kids are, you know, taken care of. The kids are being provided with soccer fuel. The kids are being provided with good food. So uh, I'm going to be helping out in that department, doing appearances here and there. And uh, that's something that that's really exciting to me. Absolutely. That sounds that sounds awesome. Miguel Gallardo, club legend. Before we let you get out of here, I just want to ask you if you'd had a chance to look at the Philadelphia Union this year and what do you think uh, the key matchup would be for this weekend with Orlando City against the Philadelphia Union? Yeah, you know, I saw them play their last game. Uh, they're a very powerful team. They're very good. They, they like to play. They like to play out of the back, uh, which is uh, something that I really like to see. You know, I like to see teams do not just kick the ball up the field and just hope for the best. So definitely a team that likes to play. They got really good players. You know, they got powerful forwards. You know, uh, players like CJ Sapong and a couple other players. So uh, I think the key for Orlando City is again to be make sure they're very compact, they're very well organized in the back, which I'm sure some, that they're going to be successful at, and just make sure that uh, you know that uh, Kyle and the guys are going to be playing up top are, you know, uh, maybe they they may not get a lot of opportunities to uh, to finish, but the one or two that they get, make sure that they finish him. But I think the key is going to be make sure that the guys in the back are very compact and then build from there. All right, Miguel Gallardo, former Orlando City goalkeeper and uh, now a sideline analyst with the club. Um, make sure you stay in shape because if something happens to Joe Bendick and Josh Saunders, uh, we might need to call you in action. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on the Mainland Podcast. No, guys. Thank you guys for having me. Anytime you need me, I'm here for you guys. All right, we're happy to welcome to this week's podcast the managing editor of The Brotherly Game, Eugene Rapinski. Uh, he he writes, of course, for the SB Nation Philadelphia Union blog. Eugene, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on, guys. You've been with us before, and we, we're always uh, happy to talk to you. Um, obviously, you didn't get to look at Orlando City this week because we didn't play because those wusses up in New England decided to postpone the game, unlike the Minnesota people who probably should have postponed their game. And uh, so you guys have two games under your belt, and the first thing I have to ask you is how is this team similar and how is this team different from the 2016 Philadelphia Union? Oh, well, not start me off with any easy ones. <laughs> <laughs> so... The differences uh, are really the most striking. Um, you know, last season there were some very glaring holes uh, in the team that, that became exposed uh, over the course of the season. Um, the center back was one issue, uh, you know, with uh, Josh Yarrow going down and then having to put in Ken Trivet, um, losing Vincent Noguera midseason at the central midfield position uh, also an issue. Um, so the union went out and... Uh, you know, they, they filled these holes. They got Harris Madunian in from uh, Israel, Bosnian Herzegovina uh, national team member. So they, they used him uh, to, to kind of plug the holes in, in the midfield. Um, they signed Derek Jones from uh, Academy, or I'm sorry, from Bethlehem Steel. He's the first kid to go from the Academy to our USL affiliate in Bethlehem uh, onto the first team. They went out and filled the uh, the void at center back by uh, signing Oguchi Onyewu. You know, uh, so this team is is very different uh, than last year. You know, there, there's a lot of there were a lot of weaknesses last year that were very easily exploited, and uh, I, I don't see those being the case necessarily. Uh, 
as for the similarities, I mean, you still have the same kind of core of, of players uh, that have been here, you know, last season, definitely, and then some of them for, for a couple of seasons before. You know, Andre Blake's a guy that's been here uh, for a few seasons and, and still, you know, the best goalkeeper in MLS. Keegan Rosenberry is still on the right, uh, right back, you know, should have been, in my opinion, uh, MLS Rookie of the Year. You know, so there's a lot of uh, parts of this team that are still the same. They still run the same kind of philosophy. It's still the same kind of setup. Uh, but they have upgraded significantly at some of the, the real deficits from this year. Gotcha. Um, looking at the last game uh, versus Toronto, that was a uh, wild and wooly one. Um 2-2, Giovinco going out, C.J. Sapong scoring late. Uh, how do you think that's going to uh, that type of game is going to impact you coming into Orlando? Well, I think I think it depends on who you ask. I think you know uh, for a guy like Alejandro Bedoya who uh, had a penalty kick bound off the crossbar, I think that's going to kind of spur him on. Uh, to do much better. I think he's going to, you know, not the kind of guy that likes to see that sort of thing happen, and that's just going to push him uh, even harder. I think uh, for a guy like Sapong to finally get a goal after what seems like an eternity of not scoring, that has to be a positive for him. That has to help um, you know, lift that weight off of his shoulders. And, you know, with, with Jay Simpson going down uh, mid-match, that may open the door for Sapong to, to kind of reclaim his starting job. You know, he was kind of the forgotten man, if you will. Um, you know, everybody kind of expected him to exceed his starting job to somebody who we brought in, and that wound up being Simpson. But, you know, Sapong can, can take his job back fans here care if it's Simpson or Sapong or who it is as long as somebody's balls into the back of the net uh, that's really all we care about yeah absolutely uh you know Eugene I wanted to go back and talk a little bit about Aguche Onyewu because you know here's a guy who he he had a lot of injury issues and then he was sort of just out of form and he's a guy that maybe didn't really look that impressive in the preseason but how has he held up through two weeks of the regular season I, you know, I'm with you. I was watching in the preseason and was really kind of nervous about him. You know, I mean, the guy's 34, uh, which, you know, is old in, in soccer years and out of form. He'd been out of, out of soccer for a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's really kind of frightening putting a guy like that uh, on, on your back four on, on, on starting day, especially going up against a team like Vancouver, you know, Onyewu is known for his physical presence, not his speed, whereas Vancouver is known for, uh, you know, the pace of their attack. So that mm -hmm. was really nerve-wracking, but he held up well. He held up well again against uh, Toronto, I, I think, you know. I mean, certainly Giovinco going down early made his job uh, a lot easier. Um, unfortunate to see that happen. Hopefully... Giovinco should be back soon. It looked like he just kind of had a Charlie horse injury. Um, but, you know, he held his own against Altidore, and that's that's not easy to do. Um, but can he maintain this form for the rest of the season? 
I don't know. I, I would love it if he did. Uh, fans here in Philly would love it if he did. Um, you know, even if we can keep him healthy and keep him performing well until Josh Yarrow gets off of injury, um, that's certainly uh, going to be a positive for this club. Absolutely. Um, you know, looking ahead to uh, uh, this weekend, what matchup do you think has uh, the most potential to affect the results of the game? Another tough one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, th- there are so many intriguing matchups, um, especially with Union, you know, still kind of trying to figure out exactly who they are. I mean, you know, are, are, are we a, a team that tries to go straight up the center? Do we play it out wide more? You know, we, we kind of played it more up the middle against Vancouver, played it more out wide against Toronto. You know, Orlando's also a different look. You know, without Kaká, it, it's not the same team. So this is going to be an interesting uh, match and matchup pretty much no matter how you look at it, just because I think of the newness and uncertainty you have with, with going in. Now, Eugene, one of the things I thought about the Philadelphia Union coming into the season, one of the reasons that I thought they might take a step backwards was the loss of Tranquillo, and it doesn't look like that's affected the team all that much so far. No, I mean, you know, bringing in Alejandro Bedoya was was good for, for that. I mean, losing Barnetto was going to be hard. I mean, he was arguably the best player to ever put on a Philadelphia Union. And that, that's saying a lot. Um, you know, so losing that kind of caliber of player is hard. But, you know, they, they brought in Bedoya. They've got a, a, a guy in Roland Alberg who can also play the, the 10 very well. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of competition uh, at that spot. There's a lot of real quality guys that can play at the number 10 for the union. And, you know, I mean, I don't ever want to say that losing – Barnetta was no big deal. It certainly was. You can't just discard a player. You know, again, it was arguably one of the best to ever wear your uniform and just say it's no big deal. But having guys like Bedoya and Alberg there that can step up and that job over immediately uh, certainly helps uh, soften that blow quite considerably. Um. Eugene, what uh, what part of Orlando City worries you the most? Uh, is it Kyle Aaron up top? Is it the revamp back line? Which which part of this is is concerning you in regards to uh, the Union's uh, game plan? You know, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Kyle Aaron. I mean, anytime you have a, a player of his uh, quality, it, you know, you've got to look out for him. Um, I think I think the uh, the union's back line match up well against him. I think Marquez and Anya uh, will certainly have their work cut out for him, uh, uh, cut out for them, I should say. But Kyle Laren is is one of the best strikers in MLS, and that's going to present a problem no matter uh, who you have back there. 
Well, Eugene, before we let you get out of here, we uh, I think we got to get your match prediction for Saturday night. And uh, obviously, Orlando City hasn't had a whole lot of success against the Union, but they are on a one-game winning streak in the series. <laughs> so uh, what do you think is going to happen on, on uh, Saturday night? Oh man, I, I gotta go. I gotta go the uh, the old Homer route here, and and I'm gonna predict a Union win. I think, um, you know, holding their own against two of the top teams in, in MLS back-to-back weeks, going out to Vancouver and getting uh, an important draw. I think that's really going to uh, to give this club a lift and a boost. And and I think having that week off is gonna throw off Orlando. All right. Habit, and you know when you break that habit, when you do something that's outside of that norm, that has repercussions, and I really see that kind of the timing is going to be just a little bit off. I think. So. Well, you may be right. We'll see what happens. Obviously, we didn't uh, didn't plan for the old uh, winter storm Reggie to hit and uh, and ruin things, and of course, it's just another. Just another example of how the New England Revolution are the worst. Um, but uh, <laughs> but we'll see what happens Saturday night at the brand new Orlando City Stadium, which um, if if last time out was any indication, could become um, quite a fortress the way that Orlando City was able to stymie David Villa and, and New York City FC. But uh, Eugene Rapinski, the managing editor for the Brotherly Game, at, tell our Tell our listeners where they can find you on, on Twitter and uh, and online uh, with your stories. Sure thing. I'm at uh, Golazo Del Gringo on Twitter. Um, you know, you can follow me there for Union and uh, I cover Mexican soccer as well. Um, always follow Brotherly Game on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and, and all that kind of fun stuff for all of your Philadelphia Union. <laughs> and you're and you're at www.brotherlygame.com, correct? That is correct. All right, and of course we're going to have the the Q and A exchange as we often do with our with our fellow SB Nation blogs. Eugene, thanks so much for being with us on the Mainland Podcast. And uh, aside from this weekend, good luck to you this season. Always a pleasure, guys. And again, aside from this weekend and whenever we play you next, good luck. <laughs> All right, thanks, thanks so much. Eugene. All right, we are just about to put a bow on episode number 77 of the Mainland Podcast. We definitely uh, would be remiss if we did not thank our guests this week. Of course, uh, Miguel Gallardo. He is former Orlando City goalkeeper extraordinaire, in fact. Helped lead the team to two uh, championships and three president's uh, trophies. Um, And also... You know, we want to uh, to thank Eugene Rapinski, who uh, uh, is the managing editor over at our sister uh, blog, The Brotherly Game. They cover the Philadelphia Union, um, and, uh, you know, they do it so that we don't have to, I think, is, is how that, that works. But uh, <laughs> thanks to Eugene for filling in, especially uh, we didn't give him very much notice at all, and he was a real trooper for for uh, coming on with us. So uh, we appreciate that. And we hope you enjoyed hearing from both of those gentlemen. And we enjoyed talking to them quite a bit. Uh, Dave, before we get out of here, of course, we have to talk about this weekend's game, Saturday night against Philadelphia Union. Game two for Orlando City. Game three for the Union. Um, 
what is your key matchup? And uh, hit me with your score prediction, please. All right. So my key matchup continues to be the same thing again. Um, Backline. Uh, they do have some uh, ability to score. So I think uh, whether or not the, the backline is able to maintain that cohesion they found in the first game and uh, deny the union, uh, hopefully we can get a clean sheet again. But that, I think, is going to be the key for an Orlando City win. That being said, given that Philadelphia is coming off two draws, including a wild game uh, against Toronto in a 2-2, um, I think they're going to be pretty hungry. Um, but we do have the confines of Orlando City Stadium and all of the noise that goes along with that. So I think that Philadelphia walks away with another draw. Orlando City gets their first draw, and I'm going to go 1-1. Oh, man, you are like on the same wavelength as me for sure. Orlando City and the Philadelphia Union have played twice in Orlando and have drawn both those games. The Lions have gone to Philadelphia and have uh, lost on a goal that should not have counted, according to Pro. Uh, they've won 2-0, the only win Orlando City has had in the series, and uh, they lost at the end of the 2015 se season when uh, Chris Penso decided that every single thing that happened on the field was a yellow card on Orlando City uh, two times for <laughs> Krishna Gita. And, um, and they were able to, to kick a penalty uh, into the net and, and win that one 1-0 against uh, Orlando City keeper Josh Ford, um, which because uh, Tally Hall got hurt the, the game before against New York City. Uh, this has been a very hard-fought close series uh, for the last couple of years. And I agree with your scoreline 1-1, partly because the, the games here have been draws and uh, and partly because we've had trouble getting results against Philadelphia, but also because they're a pretty good team. And uh, I think Orlando City's defense is better than it's been, but I do worry that if, if Carlos Rivas can't play up top, that we don't have a like-for-like -like switch for him right now. Um, I would imagine... Uh, that Giles Barnes will start in place of Kaká, and I would imagine that maybe Haji Berry gets a start up top, maybe with with Kyle. It's kind of hard to say what's going to happen, um, and what you know, maybe it's even a shape change for uh, Jason Christ, which you know certainly he doesn't want to go to that this early in the season. But if Rivas can't go, there's really, I mean, Haji Berry's got his speed, but definitely doesn't have his crossing ability. So I think the offense is right. going to struggle to score goals. So uh, if that's the case. So if Rivas doesn't play and they struggle to score goals, I still think they scratch one out somehow, maybe on a set piece. Um, but I, I, it, again, it's going to be hard to keep them from scoring. I think CJ Sapong is a danger man for them. Uh, he's had a, a, a lot of success against Orlando city and the, the games that he's played for Philadelphia against us. So uh, it definitely looks like a one, one uh, to me as well. And, and again, the, the, the matchup for me is, is going to be whoever is covering CJ Sapong because um, again, you know, like it just seems like, you know, he either burns you with his speed. He's done that in the past, or he, he's in the right spot when Rafael Ramos last year, um, you know, coughed up a clearance attempt. Uh, he just seems to have uh, some fortuitous luck against a, a team that, you know, he has a history against. So, um, right. Sapong against the, whoever happens to be marking him at any given time is, is my key matchup. And, and I do see it as a one, one. So I'm right on the same page with you. 
Well, that's unfortunate. I was hoping one of us would think it was <laughs> going to be a win, but oh well. Hopefully we're both wrong. Yeah. If Rivas plays, I, I think Orlando City can win the game. I do. And, I you know, it, Eugene talked about Keegan Rosenberry, who certainly has been fantastic. He, I don't think he's missed a minute since he got uh, became a starter uh, for that club. Um, but I also don't think Orlando City had a, a ton of trouble scoring goals last year in the series. Um, you know, even in the, the game that... Uh, that we lost to them, you know, they scored a goal in that game on the road. Uh, and they just, right. uh, they had the Barnetta free kick, which was an amazing free kick, but it was offside and shouldn't have counted. So, um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if it might sound like sour grapes, but if the pro referee organization comes out and says it shouldn't have counted, it shouldn't have counted. Uh, cause they don't like to admit when they were wrong. And then they were certainly wrong in that instance. And, uh, they, had been warned earlier in the game about it. So it's kind of mind boggling that they didn't get called for it on that instance. But, um, you know, Hey, tip your cap to Barnetta for a hell of a free kick. Um, absolutely. And, um, you know, the game here, I think was just bad luck. A, a ball bounces to Tribet off of a, off a free kick, um, you know, ricochet. And, you know, he's able to score, I think his first MLS goal, maybe his only MLS goal uh, with his feet, no less on a set piece. So, uh, that was a game that Orlando city scored twice in. So, uh, you know, I, I think Orlando city at full strength hasn't had trouble scoring goals against, uh, them despite Keegan Rosenberry playing defense for them. But I do think, uh, that CJ Sapong has been a wild card and a hard guy for Orlando city to, to, uh, to knock down and, and keep quiet. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I would, I, if Rivas plays, I, I would like to amend that to a 2-1 Orlando City win. But I think Rivas will probably miss with a hamstring strain, and, and so I'm going to probably have to go with a 1-1. Well, like I said, hopefully we're both <laughs> wrong. Yeah, but in a positive way. Hopefully we're both wrong for the right reason. Yes, of course. Yeah, it's it's because we're both wrong because they win. Absolutely. <laughs> That's, I think – all right, so I'm, I'm going to state this. Going forward, if we ever both uh, say draw, then when I say I hope we're both wrong, we obviously mean an Orlando City win. So, listeners, yeah. that's what we always mean. Absolutely. All right, episode 77, we're going to consider you in the books. And, um, again, one more thank you to Miguel Gallardo. Best of luck to him as the uh, sideline analyst and uh, and team ambassador uh, to the community of Orlando, and uh, and and thanks to Miggy for uh, helping us win all those trophies in USL, and uh, and of course a big thank you to Eugene Rapinski who's been on our show before and, and we he, he's a good friend of the program he's a you know there's some guys on SB Nation who are just great guys and you know most of them are and, and gals. And uh, Eugene is right there at the top of the, cl- you know, at the head of the class for being just a great guy and a good guy well, to deal he's, with. He's a Florida guy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, from what? From Daytona, he says. And, he's uh, from Daytona. Yeah, he's, you know, he is, though. He's one of the really good guys. If you need something and your team's going to play his team, you can always get it. It's not that way with everybody, unfortunately. There are some bloggers that, you know, are, are kind of hard to reach or maybe aren't as cooperative as you'd like. By and large, the SB Nation family is very cooperative, and he is right at the top of the list as far as, as, as people that you love to deal with. And I, I, As much as we haven't had great results against Philadelphia, I like playing them because I know that I'm going to be able to get what I need out of Eugene. Um, you know, just like last week, we were supposed to play New England. Jake Katniss is, is a good guy to, to try to get a hold of. And, um, you know, they're good folks throughout the, the league or throughout SB Nation uh, covering these other teams. And, you know, there's a few teams, I'm not going to name any names, that, you know, it's harder to get info from and, and harder to get them, you get responses from. But, you know, 
it's also hard to lose sight of the fact that we're all doing this in our spare time as a hobby. And so, you know, some guys have more free time than others. So, um, wait a second, <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this. Dave, you know, I've been meaning to tell you, uh, Ugh. you're going to have to rely on the, uh, on the regular job a little longer. <laughs> okay. I guess so. <laughs> so. Episode 77 is over. Uh, you can please, 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 uh, follow us on Twitter at the mainland M A N E instead of M A I N. Uh, of course, you can read our stuff at themainland.com. You can uh, like us on Facebook. And uh, please, if you like what you hear uh, and you listen to us on iTunes, please leave us a glowing review on iTunes, and uh, we would really appreciate that. And we'll be back next week to break down, uh, hopefully break down a game against the Philadelphia Union, barring any more postponed games. Uh, and uh, and we'll, look yeah. at, we'll look ahead to the month of April when we've got some games coming up against the likes of of Columbus and the LA Galaxy and teams like that. So, uh, again, thanks to Rafa Cabrera of uh, Orlando City SC for getting us Miguel Gallardo, and uh, we will see you next week, same time. On behalf of Dave Rowe, I am Michael Citro, the managing editor and founder of The Mainland, signing off as we usually do by saying, Go City!